if we really are saying that there's a shortage of skills in certain areas and we want more kind of diverse and inclusive workplaces, then we have to be thinking about that gap that we see in our economy just from women not being able to contribute in that in that way financially because you know working is so prohibitive due to the really high cost of childcare. Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, founder of Vespod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Today, I have the pleasure to interview Toby Azare, the founder of MyBumPay, an online platform giving women the tools to smash the glass ceiling with a baby on the way and beyond. Toby is a mom of two, and she's also working full time. What I love about Toby is her positivity and the way she encourages women to make work life work for them on their terms. She's helping to change the narrative and perceptions around working moms and moms-to-be, and her work to help women thrive in the workplace was recently recognized by Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Only 29% of first-time mothers return to full-time work in the first three years after maternity leave, and a massive 47% of women in London say they did not get the flexibility they asked for at work. This means that the system is working against women, so we discuss the challenges that moms face returning to work and the structural changes needed for parents to advance their careers. We know the cost of childcare is a barrier when it comes to returning to work after having a baby, so Toby shares how to successfully raise the conversation with your employer around flexi-working and finding a solution that works for all parties. Finally, we will break down how much it costs to have a baby, what you actually need to purchase when you're expecting, and areas where you can make savings. I'd also just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionB. PensionB has helped over 500,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. With PensionB, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank account, Check your real-time balance, your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, or as PensionB calls them, Big Keeper. You can sign up to PensionB today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes, and if you're self-employed, you can open a pension from scratch. As always with investment, your capital is at risk. Please note that we are not financial advisors. The articles and information made available on Vespod and this podcast are provided for information and educational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Hello, Toby. Hi. How are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. It's great to be here. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, thank you. We, we're recording this episode on an evening. We managed to put all our kids we did. <laughs> in bed and we, we're recording this episode remotely. So Toby, you're a mom of two, you're the founder of My Bump Pay, it's an online platform giving women the tool to smash the glass ceiling with a baby on the way and beyond. I love that, obviously, I have kids, so, you know, love hearing how we can empower women pre-maternity leave, post-maternity leave, women trying to conceive. So we're going to talk about all these challenges today, uh, but for people who don't know you, and I mean, I've discovered all your work through uh, mostly like Instagram and your posts and stuff. But can I please ask you to uh, to introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. So my name is, is Toby, as you kindly introduced me. I am the creator of My Bump Pay and have created this platform to really help women throughout this journey of thinking, you know, maybe they want to start a family, 
to pregnancy and beyond and kind of marrying that up with the workplace and really helping them to succeed all throughout that journey but also a bit wider than that because I'm really passionate about women really just living the life that they really want to live irrespective of having children. So there's the platform on Instagram and then outside of that we have masterclasses as well which is almost like a live class format where it's fully interactive and really really kind of walk through with a woman how to have success at every single stage of that particular journey and I love 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 doing them that's definitely my favorite part of everything that I that I get to do with my bump pay yeah I think I mean the live classes are still amazing I, I mean the same I still run them for, for Vespod is like introduction to investing and I think having this connection is, is super important what are the classes you run I think you have two like very popular uh, master classes yes yeah, so there's one that's almost like a prenatal class if you if you like, for your career. So the same way you would prepare to have a baby in life <laughs> is the same way I'm really kind of a big advocate for preparing to introduce a baby or a pregnancy into your life, but running that alongside of your career and still doing that successfully. So that's the first class. Um, I call that nail your career with a baby on the way. And then the second class is all about helping women prepare for that return. So really helping women to nail that return into the workplace, whatever that kind of looks like in various different guises and formats. So those are the two masterclasses that I run. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about these two parts uh, today. But first of all, I mean, you've been recognized recently in the Daily Points of Light, which is an award for outstanding individual volunteers um, by the prime minister, actually. Every week, I think they recognize like one volunteer. So congrats. That's amazing. Um, but can you, I mean, that, that raised a few questions for me and mostly, you know, can you tell me how you manage to run your business, also work full time? Uh, and and also you know take care of your of your children how do you organize your you know your life <laughs> it's a good question I say it comes in seasons I think there's seasons for me where work is really really busy and then after that I kind of think about okay right what can I take from what I've learned this week or this month and kind of how can I share it with my platform in a way that's additive to the journeys that they're all going on because I'm very much on a journey myself with work and parenting. And so with my bump pay as much as I possibly can, I'll kind of take that inspiration from what I'm doing at, at that current point in time, which really helps kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, and then secondly, I don't do it alone. I have people that I work with on a very, very regular basis who are kind of supporting me in different guises with my bump pay as well. So that if sometimes that's kind of newsletter production or kind of helping me with some of the partnerships that I sometimes get lucky enough to kind of be a part of all kind of things with, you know, website production and, and editing and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely not me solo. There are a team of wonderful people that as and when I need, I can really call upon. So that's really the key to really kind of helping me juggle it. And then with, with the family stuff, it it's just a team effort between me and my husband, really, to be honest. He's brilliant and really is super supportive in helping me kind of achieve everything that I said that I really want to achieve with the platform and in the workplace. I mean, everything I do, I, I think I have to be really flexible and it is really the model. So if there's a week that I can't post because other things are really busy, I just can't do it. And the great thing is that my audience really understand because they're really on that journey of kind of juggling and, and balancing or blending, whatever you want to call <laughs> it as well. So that's the beauty of it as well. <laughs> Okay, Toby, if we start, you know, straight in, I think, you know, one of the things 
I wanted us to discuss today is the motherhood penalty, because for me, that's that's a really important topic. We talk a lot about the gender pay gap. We talk about the yeah. pension gap. But what happens in the middle is usually if you're a woman, you want to have children or actually if you're just taking care of you know your family, you want to take time out of the workforce, then you're going to be less likely to be potentially promoted or advanced that means you're going to have less money maybe you're going to have a break in your you know in your earnings that's money that's then not saved not invested for the long term so i wanted to ask you you know what is the main obstacle you think women face um during pregnancy um in regards to their careers i think you raised it there and you kind of touched upon potentially women not being put forward for certain opportunities if people think that they're you know, about to have a child soon. Sadly, it happens. I think lots and lots of companies out there are really changing. And the company that I work for is, is brilliant and doesn't necessarily kind of hold those kind of perceptions. But sadly, there are some companies that, that hold that view that if a woman is about to have a baby or is pregnant, that they can't step up and take more responsibility. And I have the honor of kind of running this platform and speaking to women on a regular basis who are very, very, very capable and actually can can do a better job than people think that they can do. And that's a big part of the things and the message that I that I like to put out there is really kind of helping women to find that confidence to still go for those opportunities, to still have their voice in those arenas to say that you know, irrespective of having a child or irrespective of maybe going on maternity leave, that I'm still 100% qualified to have these opportunities or these responsibilities. And so I think, yes, a large part of it is those kind of perceptions that really, from the very early stages, hold women back. I also think that women aren't, sadly, sometimes encouraged to ask and to push and to question. Because I think when we do that from a from the early stages of our career and you get more comfortable asking those questions maybe potentially around salary or around pay then you're putting yourself in a position that when you do come to maybe having a child that hopefully you have negotiated your way throughout your career to that point so hopefully you're 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 not at a disadvantage point from that particular perspective maybe from pay or potential opportunities so that's another thing that I kind of see happening is women just not asking early enough on in their career and then really struggling with their confidence when it comes to that point, maybe where they're thinking, well, actually, I'm about to step out to maternity leave, or I'm thinking about maybe having a baby, so therefore I won't put myself up for that particular opportunity. And that's a really big part of my bump pay is trying to reverse those perceptions and also help women find the confidence to ask and to raise their hands for those opportunities that they know that they are very capable of doing really well at what do you think are the still the stigma maybe around you know maternity leave or what do people still think and and how we can you know overcome these and how can we you know structurally change um you know the the way women you know can stay in the workforce or, or, or sort of leave the workforce and come back into the workforce and and can we make that a bit easier yeah definitely i think sometimes the stigma is sometimes potentially around lack of commitment and there's this perception that potentially when women are kind of going off to start a family that actually they they become less committed i often find it's not the case especially if you're really engaged with that particular employee before they go on maternity leave and you've got a really kind of open good clear channels of communication i think you'll find that that woman's actually really engaged and actually their commitment really soars because they feel an obligation and a sense of loyalty to actually 
honour that commitment and honour that engagement that they've seen from their employer when they are returning back from maternity leave. So I think that's a really important thing. It's kind of, yeah, showing that commitment and showing that engagement to all of your female employees before they're about to kind of go off and have and have a baby. How can we help to, to, to change it structurally? And I'm thinking maybe it's maybe men taking some, you know, paternal leave or, you know, how can, you know, companies or, or men help also women feel, feel better and, and create change? Yeah, I think there's lots of different ways. I think that companies have to treat an employee returning to the workplace almost in the same way that they would treat somebody who is brand new to their organization. You know, the same way you put kind of lots of effort into welcoming somebody who's new to the organization. I think we should take that same attitude and approach to somebody who's returning from a period of, of leave because that leave is it's quite difficult in many ways because so many things change and the organization has changed and things move very, very quickly. So actually having a committed, engaged period of kind of re-onboarding is a really, really good thing to kind of help women kind of embed themselves back into the workplace and kind of almost bring them back onto um, an equal footing very quickly. So that's one thing. I think secondly, it's about having more people within the organization who can really empathize and have shared experiences. And I think concretely that means having more men taking shared parental leave or taking paternity leave who actually have that experience of taking an extended period of time out of the workplace to raise a small child and therefore they're stepping back into the workplace with more empathy and therefore they can lead more empathy and more understanding of what it's like to kind of take that break and kind of try and reassimilate yourself back into back into the workforce as well um, and then you start to see lots of kind of big companies that have really well-structured returnee programs and those are usually typically typically targeted at women who have maybe taken an extended career break and working them back and having really structured programs to kind of welcome them back into the workforce and that sends a really strong and clear signal that these women are valued that they have a skill set that is needed and that they are welcome in those organizations as well so those are kind of a couple of uh, things that I can think of you know structurally that would help mend that but there's there's a whole gamut of possibilities that one could kind of discuss and explore. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, there's things that needs to be changed at the, you know, corporate level work. Uh, but then I wanted today to have sort of a more like positive conversation and try to think about, okay, practically you think one day you're going to have children. You'll want to take some time off, maybe three months, maybe six months, maybe it's a year, whatever it is, maybe it's two years. How do you best prepare for maternity leave and when should you actually start preparing for it? Straight away, as, as soon as you get that brilliant, brilliant news, I think you should start thinking about, okay, what do I want my career to look like? And I don't think that necessarily has to change. I think you should stay ambitious with your goals. I think maybe how you get them may change depending on your personal circumstances. But I think that's the time to actually get really clear with yourself. I don't even recommend kind of writing it down in terms of your life goals, your career goals, your your wider family goals. And especially when it comes to your career goals, I'd still have that conversation with the relevant people that you need to within your organization. So that could be your line manager, a mentor, a sponsor. And I would share those goals. I would make sure you don't keep those goals to yourself. I think the reason why it's so important to share those goals is that when you take that time out of the workplace, those goals that you've socialized, hopefully those people who are the kind of there on your behalf when you're kind of having time out can 
make sure that those goals are hopefully kind of recognized or embedded into your kind of return plan or if there are any opportunities that kind of arise closer to the time that you're returning and that they know that, for example, you said that you want to be involved in a new finance project, then absolutely they can bear that in mind when you're kind of coming back into the workplace. So I always say kind of prepare from the very, very, very start. Also things like childcare, you know, start thinking what could childcare potentially look like? You don't have to have the answers straight away, but just having a, a couple of options that you think that could work for you potentially for childcare. And then you can start to explore those options, start to have conversations, start to get really informed about what your options could could be. You don't have to make any choices then and there because life can change so much between getting that good news and then eventually kind of returning back to the workplace. Also things like, you know, find people who have walked the journey as well. So that doesn't necessarily have to be in your workplace. That could be within wider networks, find people who are like-minded, um, who have had children kind of return to the workplace, start having those conversations about maybe how they did it and what things maybe worked for them and what things maybe didn't work for them. It's not saying that you have to do exactly the same thing, but it's just helping you on your journey early on as much as you possibly can, because I think information and knowledge is just so powerful in these situations. So as much as it may be overwhelming, I just think to start with a couple of conversations or maybe even just start down writing down your goals and that'd be a really good place to start. Yeah, and and then in terms of trying to understand your your numbers and how much you know it, it, is it going to cost you? Do you need a, a budget? And also, what are the the things you need to think about? And maybe a few things for me are you know can you actually negotiate any maternity pay? you know, statutory maternity pay, what is it? Uh, do you need to register for child benefits? So what are the, you know, maybe a few things, sort of a checklist, what are the things you, you should think about? It's a good question. So I always say, look at your maternity leave policy. <laughs> Look at it over and over and over and over and over again. Make sure you have a really good understanding of it. If you have any questions, then your HR team, I'm sure, will help kind of fill in the gaps of any questions that you have in terms of your finances. I think it's really good to make sure that you have a solid understanding of that. And then secondly, when you're kind of thinking about a budget, I think a budget is wise. I think a budget is smart. Adding to your family does cost a little bit of extra money, but you don't have to go crazy in terms of how much it could cost you in terms of preparing to have a baby. Um, so I'd look at what you, you spend normally. I would look at what income you would have over that period of leave that you think that you may want to take. And then I'd kind of look and reconcile the differences and kind of see maybe where there are areas of um, spending that perhaps you can maybe pause or change or kind of put into a different pot. So for example, I knew that straight away during maternity leave, travel was going to be significantly reduced. So I took the money that I'd normally spend on the travel card and put it elsewhere into my budget for maternity leave. And actually on the My Bump Pay website, we have a section of kind of free resources and free templates that help you do exactly that to help you to work out roughly um, what your budget could look like based on your maternity pay and then helps you to work out roughly how much it could potentially cost on your first year of maternity leave kind of arranging all the things that you may need to prepare to get ready for the baby financially as well so yeah definitely have a look at what your budgets are and sit down with your partner if you're in a situation with your where, where you are with a partner kind of having a baby sit down with your partner and kind of look at all of your finances in that regard don't forget childcare as well and think about 
what the different childcare options could cost you. The government website is actually incredibly helpful that lists out all the different ways that they offer financial support when it comes to children and things like child benefit are there as well. So do definitely look into child benefit. And I'd say that everyone's financial situation, and I'm not a financial advisor, but everyone's financial situation is very very different. And again, if you do have any questions, I would actually call up the government helpline and you can actually walk through your own personal situation and they can at least guide you in the right direction. They're actually really helpful, um, more helpful than people think. And I always encourage people to kind of always make that call and ask questions if they're if they are unsure. And in terms of the maternity pay, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, checking your maternity policy documents and stuff. Can you actually go and negotiate <laughs> something and at which point, uh, you know, sh sh should you be doing that? It's a really good question. So from my experience, I have seen potentially women who work for an organization where they don't necessarily have an enhanced maternity pay policy. So that's over and above statutory. And I've seen women have those conversations and kind of really kind of set out a really positive business case as to what that organization should consider enhanced maternity pay. And I've actually seen women walk out of those situations quite successfully um, where the organization has kind of gone back and reflected and thought about the policy from a wider perspective about how it can really enhance that company's positioning as a truly diverse and inclusive employer. And yes, those women have actually got, or they've helped to shape uh, an enhanced maternity policy, which has meant in return that they've been eligible for more maternity pay which is a really positive story i've also kind of heard of women who potentially were about to miss out on enhanced maternity maternity pay maybe by a couple of weeks or days um, again just kind of ask that question to see what is potentially available or what is potentially possible um, and i've seen those conversations kind of go well and be positively received as well and those women kind of walk away with enhanced maternity pay as well so i think it's really worth asking The question potentially, you know, if you're in a situation where your company doesn't currently offer enhanced maternity pay and there's a good and strong business case for it, especially when it comes to retention of talent and diversity and inclusivity. So, yes, I've definitely seen it. I, I haven't seen it in every single situation, but I, I have seen it from time to time work positively in, in people's favor. So really go and ask. I mean, there's nothing, nothing to lose, really. I've also heard like a lot of cases of, you know, women being made redundant on maternity leave or maybe being discriminated against. What are your, your rights in this, this situation? Yes. On our website, we kind of go through lots of these situations in, in a little bit more detail. And it does depend on the, and the reasons as to why potentially that redundancy was taking place. If there's a, a business reason such as, you know, that business no longer exists, um, then that's a slightly different consideration uh, but I always say to kind of to women to make sure that that decision isn't based on your kind of protected characteristic or the fact that you are the fact that you were pregnant and I always kind of direct women to maybe speak to ACAS or um, legal helplines or there's a wonderful organization that lots of people have heard of called Pregnant Then Screwed they have a legal helpline as well to kind of really talk through your situation with them and they can advise and they can direct you as best as possible but I always think that if you sense that something doesn't feel quite right for your situation don't 
sit there and kind of accept it. I would definitely, 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 definitely speak to people who are experienced in this area and they can guide you and they can counsel you um, appropriately. So yeah, what I would say to women is don't kind of sit there in silence if you think that this may be happening to you. Definitely, definitely speak to an expert. Yeah, and you should look at the show notes and we're going to have add all these like links and resources so you can you know directly go and see um, the, these organizations I think also when when we think about maternity leave often it's it's a good time to change career or to change you know industry and when you look at statistics I was reading that fewer than one in five of all new mothers and 29% of first-time mothers return to full-time work in the first three years after maternity leave, and this falls to 15% after five years. Also, the government is announcing new plans to make flexible working the norm. Yes. That's great Great on paper. You know, we see it everywhere. Uh, Actually, Mother Puka is, is fighting really hard for that. But I feel... You know, when I, when I hear now people are slowly returning back to work and companies are asking people to be in the office three days a week, four days a week. I mean, where where do you think we're going and what would be, you know, the dream situation for, for women? I think the dream situation is, is really, as you mentioned, is, is that flexibility. I think, you know, over the pandemic, we've seen that we can, lots of people can make it work. I think there is also a beauty in human interaction and collaboration and seeing your colleagues in in the same room. So I think when you get hybrid working right, it can work really, really well. And so I'm a big, big, big advocate of, you know, having the flexibility to do both. But I think specifically for mums, having that flexibility and just for parents in general, so mums and dads, having that flexibility to know that actually, do you know what, I can pick up my children at five o'clock, whatever time you need to pick up your children for. And, you know, you're trusted that you'll get your work done in the time that you have to get your work done. And I think it's really about focusing on outputs and being output orientated and empowering um, employees to ensure that they get their work done, but allowing them that flexibility so that they can have that family time and that engagement. Because I think engaged employees, or we know engaged employees, are more efficient employees, more effective employees. They're be- they're really great employee ambassadors or workplace ambassadors as well. And they're likely to stay within your organization for a longer time, performing at a higher level. And retention is great. And we know that levers are really expensive to place, especially to replace, especially the higher up the talent chain or the talent ladder you go. So I think retention is really, really key, really important. So that's where that's where I stand on it. Yeah. And then when we start talking about flexibility, I guess we also have to talk about childcare. And this is this is a really, really difficult one, especially in the UK. And just to give everyone a few few statistics, if you don't have children, if you have children, you know that, you know, the, the cost of childcare is, uh, is, is crazy, especially for, you know, very young age. So according to the Child Poverty Action Group, the cost of raising a child, so that's uh, excluding housing, childcare, council tax, from birth to 18 is now 71, almost 72K for a couple, family, and 98K for a single parent. Also, the issue is that the cost of childcare rose four times faster than wages between 2008 and 2016, and in London, seven times faster. So we can get organized as much as we want (laughs) to pay for childcare, to pay for maternity leave, 
But you know how how do you see this this issue of of childcare and do you see it as as an investment or cost? How can women think about childcare differently and 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 try to find some solutions to to actually pay for this? It's really hard. I see it as a cost that for so many is really prohibitive. I speak to women all the time who say I really want to get back into work full time or whatever you know hours that that suits them best, but they almost see that cost of childcare as something that is they just can't quite balance out because after they've paid all their childcare bills, they're left very little after the, with their salary. That's something that we just need to fix. If we really are saying that, you know, there's a shortage of skills in certain areas and we want more kind of diverse and inclusive workplaces, then we have to be thinking about that gap that we see in our economy just from women not being able to contribute in that in that way financially because you know working is so prohibitive due to the really high cost of childcare so yeah i would love to see more being done in terms of childcare to be make to make it um more accessible to a wider number of people and wider number of parents so that they can kind of get back into the workforce if they really really want to and they can contribute to the economy as well if that's something that's really important to do so yeah i'm a big believer in somehow that childcare system changing in terms of costs i do say to people as well don't leave it to the last minute to sort out your childcare because what often happens is that all the really good and affordable places get taken up or snapped up really, really quickly. And so sometimes you're left kind of left with fewer options that may be less desirable or maybe more expensive or not or no options exactly. And then you're forced to think, well, I've got to do the childcare myself rather than working. So I always say to women, kind of get it sorted as early as you possibly can. Um, but also kind of speak to people within your local community because I often find that People in local communities actually a wealth of knowledge that is uh, is untapped. Grandparents, families. I know not everybody has that that luxury as well. But where where you do, it's you know, don't be shy to ask them to be involved um, as much as possible because it really does help financially if there are other options as well. And um, when you're kind of thinking about that early years childcare, I know school years are, are slightly different depending on what option people choose state versus private so to speak but yeah I really kind of focus more on the on the early years side of things and and I'm thinking you know when I mean often when we when we talk about childcare and especially women I realize that women are like okay now I want to go back to work but I'm earning you know 25k and I will have to pay like you know 20k in childcare at this nursery or like 15k that doesn't make sense then I'm going to stay home And usually what I say is, okay, but can you, I mean, if you have a partner, can you actually have this conversation with your partner? Because that shouldn't just be the trade-off of your own salary versus the childcare, but actually it's both of you, like together, can you make a plan of, you know, how much, how many hours do you want to work? When do you want to see your children? Do you want to work full-time? Do you want to work part-time? And then look at how much money you can earn together. Uh, maybe try to, you know, get a raise, try to get more money and then pay, pay for this childcare um, uh, together. So I don't know if it's like a conversation you're having um, with, uh, with 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 moms and, and parents. Yeah, definitely. And I'm seeing more and more dads, hooray, you know, take that maybe that more flexible option. So maybe 
they're working a compressed week so that they may be working five days and four days, which means that on the Friday that they're, you know, the dad is doing the childcare and, you know, different formulations of, of working patterns. That means that actually, you know, you can kind of split that childcare a little bit more evenly as well. And I think dads shouldn't be afraid because lots more companies are um, really leaning into this area that dads actually want to be be able to help more in, in that regard because it helps the family overall. And um, so, yeah, we're seeing lots more examples of that, which is a really, really brilliant thing. So if there are any men listening, don't be afraid. Have that conversation. Maybe speak to some of your colleagues, you know, they, um, male colleagues. They may be doing it and just not talking about it um, because men don't necessarily always talk about these things in the same way that women do. Then it's definitely something that we're seeing more of. And and how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm quite curious, how do you start this conversation? So maybe you and your partner, how did you start? Or, or maybe some, you know, women in your, in your community. Yeah, how can you start this conversation with your partner? Because it's so linked to money also deciding, okay, I'm not going to go back to work. I decide I want to spend time with my kids. Actually, I want to go back to work, but, you know, I can't pay for this childcare. So if you have a few tips on, you know, starting these conversations, that'd be super. Yeah, I think every couple and household is, is so different. But it, I think it kind of links back to what I was saying at the beginning about kind of really setting out your your goals. As soon as you have that wonderful news, it's about kind of sharing what your goals are. And kind of, it's kind of sharing, hey, these are my goals personally. These are my goals maybe for our family family unit and then kind of laying out all the different childcare options on the table and all the finances on the table and actually just working together about what are the different configurations that could genuinely work um, for that particular couple or family unit at that particular time. But I also encourage people to see it as seasons. So it's not a fixed solution necessarily that let's say you discuss it now and that's that's the the setup for the next six years. No, absolutely not. You probably want to review it in quarters. So you could look at it as a financial quarter, however you want to do it. But maybe kind of Q1, you try out one particular option, so to speak, and then you do an end of Q1 review. And then kind of Q2, you then decide if you're going to stick with that same plan that you had in Q1 or change it and modify it a little bit better. So I think actually having that mindset that it's something that can be changed and it's something something that can be reviewed takes the pressure off because you then don't have to have that conversation thinking, okay, right, we've got to find a solution for the next five years. No, just kind of see it in chunks as something that you can review, you can tweak, you can review, and then you can tweak because also people's goals and experiences change. Somebody might want to change jobs that actually makes the situation a little bit easier for the other person potentially and things like that. So I think have that constant review process and also speak to other couples. It's something that my husband and I kind of do often and regularly is kind of get a sense of what other people are doing and how they're doing it. Because again, there may be something that some configuration that perhaps you haven't thought of yeah really keep the conversation open because as you say things can change you can you may have different needs i think when you have you have children it's such you know a different life and <laughs> you may see work in a you know different way you may have different priorities and, and these these are changing obviously and do you have a few tips also for talking to your employer about maybe flexible working and, and, you know, do you do the same? Like, do you go maybe not every quarter, but can you go back and, you know, ask for 
you know, some change in your in your work, in your hours, and also potentially in your pay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with flexible working, I I see all of these conversations as as a a friendly negotiation. I think negotiation sometimes people have connotations of it being kind of hostile conversations. They're absolutely not at all. I see it as conversations where both parties need to walk away feeling like they have something positive and they gain something positive from those particular conversations where there's a particular shift in direction. So I see these conversations in, as a negotiation. So I always advise people before they they go in and have that conversation, really prepare, really think about it from the other person or organization's point of view yes you have your own point of view and yes you have your your points that you want to get across but think about what are the positives of the solution that you're putting on the table so if it's kind of flexible working everybody's got very different reasons of work and very different organizations but how can you make your flexible working request something that also works in the favor of that organization and think in terms of potentially that organization's goals and ambitions or maybe your team's goals and your team's ambitions is there a way that your flexible working request kind of still fits into the into those business goals or wider kind of business ambitions and if so that's brilliant and that's the kind of the language that you should be using the mindset that you should be going into those conversations with and I can say that, you know, I can honestly say sometimes those conversations, as you've kind of alluded to, can be ongoing. So it can be that you try a particular setup where you say, oh, let's try this for six months and let's kind of review it. And if it's working really well, then we then we continue with it. And if it needs to be tweaked, and again, you know, we can tweak it. I'm a big believer in there being a flexible approach <laughs> to flexible working because businesses and organizations can change. Teams can change. Your life setup can change as well. So I think kind of be quite open when you're having those conversations about kind of flexible working, because it's a little bit of give and take for both parties to walk away feeling like there's something positive to be gained from that flexible working proposal. And another question about how much money should you spend on your children? I think when, you know, you're expecting your first baby, you you can go a bit crazy on, you know, this shopping and buying a lot of the, a lot of things and putting out these like long lists of stuff you need, like, you know, a list for your baby and you're like, wow, a baby's really, really expensive. So yes, nappies are expensive. Uh, you know, all these things are expensive, but yeah, it's, it's tempting to, to overspend. Uh, but what what do you actually really need? Uh, yeah. I mean, at, at my third baby now, I'm like, actually, you don't need anything. But that's not that's not the right answer. So yeah, no, definitely, it's so tempting to kind of, and I fall into that trap with our first, like, okay, let's buy this, let's buy that, let's buy this. I think you you know you need a good travel system. So that's you know a car seat, a buggy, um, if you have a car, and um, so those are the things that probably will will take up the most amount of money but I learned on my second child that eBay is a wonderful place to find a really decent buggy from so for my second child we just got a buggy on eBay that a family had used once to go on holiday with and that was it so it was in really great condition um, so things like that I think you know you may end up spending a little bit more money but you don't need to go crazy because there are great options on places like ebay and facebook marketplace and things like that and then i think everything else i think just don't go too crazy you can buy some 
decent cots for your child to sleep in. It doesn't have to be kind of top of the range that kind of work quite well. Even even clothes as well. I think just bear in mind that they grow so, so, so quickly. And I know everybody says that and you're like, yeah, but they actually genuinely do grow so quickly. So you don't have to buy kind of lots and lots of clothes. More supermarkets just do great options. So things like baby vests and, and things like that. Actually, supermarket nappies is something that I became way more into uh, my second child versus my versus my first now I'm thinking why was I spending all of those money on, on a particular branded type of nappy when I these supermarket nappies are really doing the job here um, yeah. just as well if not sometimes sometimes better and I think friends as well friends are a great source I I know I'm always if I've got friends coming to my house and I know they're pregnant I'm always like raiding the wardrobes of like okay we only wore this once it's washed it's clean you you take it, go for it. Honestly, go all out, have fun. Um, so friends are a really great source. You know, see what you can share, see what maybe friends have kind of barely used that you can that you can take off their hands. I'm sure they'll be glad for it to go go to a really good home. So I think in terms of the stuff, like the tangible stuff, you don't actually really need to spend a lot of money. I think sometimes where the expense or the larger expense comes in is where maybe people are thinking about maybe moving house, um, laying down roots to get more space. Maybe people um, might need a bigger car, for example, or they might need to get a car for various different reasons and logistics with a new baby coming along. So that's probably where you you start to see the bigger outlays of money, which are kind of understandable. But yeah, in terms of the stuff, I say don't go, don't go crazy. <laughs> Don't go crazy and save the money for your childcare to have, you know, a nice maternity leave where you can actually go have a few coffees and see your friends. Exactly that. And also think ahead. I mean, the, the last thing for me, it's, you know, your pension, have a conversation with your employer, with your partner. I often say that, but, you know, if you're not earning any money during your maternity leave, you're not paying into your pension, yeah. can you ask your partner to pay something into your pension? <laughs> And, and, you know, that's one way to also bridge the gap. It's, you know, having this conversation is really, really important. And then once the kids, the babies are here, you can start saving for them. Uh, you know, junior ISA is one way to do that. Yes. You have, um, you know, uh, child's pensions. So think about their their future and maybe you can buy, you know, secondhand uh, clothes and then put the difference into one of the like investment accounts mm. uh, because they can, they will be able to use it when when they need it or, you know, when they want to go to this like university or really cool school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have a bit of money on the side. Toby, can I ask you what is money for you and why do you do all this work for women to be more empowered and, you know, I guess earn more money and have more money and be wealthier? Mm, I think money is, it can unlock opportunities and that's not just opportunities for me as an individual, it's also opportunities for other people. I think in that regard, I don't see money as a tool to be enjoyed or something that I should just keep to myself. I see it as something that it comes with responsibility to also help others in lots of different ways. And I think that really kind of comes from my upbringing. I think my parents are just incredibly, really generous people. So I've never seen money as something that you should kind of sit on as an individual. I think that money should unlock opportunities for you as an individual, of course, but use those opportunities to also help others. I love it. So why am I working on such a big mission for my bump pay? I think some of it is linked to my to my personal 
journey and evolution, I think a big part of it is I see women as this really untapped power of people with amazing skills, amazing experiences, amazing leadership qualities that aren't necessarily always fully tapped into. And so kind of when I see a woman kind of sitting on their potential or missing their potential, <laughs> it 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 really gets to me. Um and I think maybe sometimes I kind of I see myself in that in that situation sometimes because I, I always think to myself, like, you know, Toby, you could really do that. And I really have to hype myself to kind of lift myself to to go for it. And I think, well, if I'm thinking the same things and maybe having the same doubts, I know hundreds and thousands of other women are, but imagine if actually we had a world where women felt really, really, really empowered to live out to their true potential. I think we'd have a better world. I think we'd have a more empathetic world. I think we'd have better leaders. I think we'd have a better future for the next generation. And so, yeah, I'm just really passionate about women not being slept on in terms of their potential, because I think they just have so much to offer to the business world, to to life in general, to family life. Yeah, I just love to see women thrive basically in every single area of life. Thank you, Toby. I have three quick fire questions for you. What is the best financial decision you ever made? Oh, to open a Hargreaves Lansdowne <laughs> account, I think is probably one of the best financial decisions I've ever made. So to start investing. Yeah, exactly. What is the worst financial decision you ever made? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's embarrassing of course <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I bought something once as a treat to myself and I bought two of the particular item thinking that I could return the other one because I couldn't decide which one I wanted to keep only when I got home and I read the receipt that it was no returns it mm. was um, exchanges only <laughs> and I thought oh my goodness how could I not see that so yeah I ended up selling that other item and losing money on it because I couldn't I couldn't return it as I'd hoped what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment at the moment nursery <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mortgage nursery and then after that it's probably food feeding the family <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you have a good book that you can recommend Yes, actually. It's a good book that I can recommend. It's, I don't know if it comes in a physical format. I think it does, but it's an old piece of script. And it's written by a man called James Allen. And it's called As a Man, I think it's called As a Man Thinketh. It just talks about as you think, so so you shall be. Um, so just that power of the mind. I think it kind of links back to little bits of our conversation today and kind of just believing that if you can do it, that ultimately you know, you set that goal and you, your mind will find a way to achieve it and make it happen. Toby, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share or recommend with, with people listening to this episode? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I would, I would just say, you know, come and join the journey um, on my bump pay. Like we're super, I'm super interactive, always open to hear what people are um, finding difficult, you know, also success stories. I love success stories of kind of women kind of, you know, working their way through and ultimately having success whilst kind of growing their family as well. So yeah, come, come along, join the journey, share, and I'm all ears. At my bum pay on Instagram yes. <laughs> and you share to be a lot of 
really cool videos on IGTV. So people should really, really watch that. And for your classes, workshops, uh, articles, mybumpay.com and you also on Twitter at mybumpay. So all the links are in the show notes. Toby, thank you so much. I hope we'll see each other very soon. Yeah. And have a good, good evening. Hi to the family. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to The Wallet today. Please share with a friend and subscribe or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, we have a new format coming out. So I need you to send me your proud money moments, your questions and comments via hotline at emily at Speak to you next week.